afternoon, I want to start a, a new focus into our message, and I, I love how uh, Luke, with our children, took time to remind our kiddos of uh, 1 Corinthians uh, chapter uh, 12, and where we've been the last several weeks, thinking about the body and the community of Christ. And in a lot of ways, um, we have to be people that will embrace each other's differences. In community, none of us ought to be like one another. And we see this. This is a very biblical, scriptural idea where we as people ought to live in each other's differences and diversity. And um, one, of the, one of the grounding texts for me, and we're going to get to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, but I think... As I was uh, preparing for the last several weeks in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, one of the grounding texts for me became Jesus' calling to his disciples. And in Matthew chapter 4, verse 19, we have Jesus' calling. Three words, you know the calling, you've heard this before, come, follow me. And when Jesus calls Peter and Andrew with, with this particular calling to come follow me, Jesus is calling his first disciples to come follow in his footsteps, to come learn from him, to come be with him, to come take on the ministry that Jesus is establishing here. And he calls them with a, with a simple imperative, a simple command to come follow me. And one of the things that has grabbed my attention about this particular calling is, is not the simplicity of it, it's the complications of it. Because if you think about for just a moment how Jesus calls disciples, he calls them directly and simply, but he calls for a life that is vastly more complicated and different than you and I may ever hope for or intend for. Peter and Andrew in Matthew chapter 4 are fishing. This is their job and this is their livelihood and this is their career. And when Jesus comes along to, to their life, Jesus interrupts what they know and what they are doing and he interrupts their life with a calling to do something different. And in that, there's an implication, there's a ripple effect that comes in this particular calling. That Jesus wants Peter and Andrew, in this particular moment, Matthew chapter 4, verse 19, to be different kinds of people. He wants them to act differently, speak differently. He wants them to respond to the world around them with their attitudes differently. And these words, simple as they may be, are words of grand and, and, and in-your-face um, implications for our lives. They are ripple effects to how different God's people ought to be. Think about how the disciples start to live and function and start to learn along the way in the footsteps of Jesus just how different life in the footsteps of Jesus is. And I wonder, and I wonder, do we truly embrace how different the calling that Jesus gives to each and every one of us? 
My experience is I don't really want to be different. I don't want to stand out, right? You don't want to give yourself too much attention. And yet, come follow me is not just a calling to go into the footsteps of Jesus. It's a calling that has implications to a different kind of life. A different way of moving, a different way of speaking, a different way of seeing those around you in vastly different ways. Okay, um, I, went to, I went to college at Abilene Christian, and like many of you who are OC grads, if you went to a Christian university, more than likely you had chapel. We had that at ACU, chapel. Uh, it's a... It's a Middle of your day, 30-minute worship service. And so uh, on this particular day, um, we were um, freshmen, and we were going to chapel, and you kind of get in routines, right, as you have these kinds of things in your day. I had my routine. I met my friends at a particular place, and we would walk over to chapel together, and we would have our 30-minute chapel. On this particular day, I met my friends, and we were walking through our typical path. We walked through the art building there on campus. And for whatever reason, the art students, I guess, were having a project, and in the lobby of the art building that we would normally cut through, there was was everyday objects, but they they were giant. They were big, you know, like a big bowl, right? Just a giant bowl that someone had created. And then there was just everyday items that were just big versions of everyday items. And there was one particular item that grabbed my friend Justin's attention. And it was the giant Cheerio box. The reason it grabbed Justin's attention is because it had a hole on the side for arms and a hole on top for a head. And so, being males in college, we said, Justin, you should wear that to chapel. Justin thought that was a great idea. And so Justin puts on a giant Cheerios box. His arms are out of it, his head's on top of it, and he begins to waddle his way to chapel this particular day. Now, because we had stopped, because we had seen all these things, we were a few minutes late. So when we got to chapel, and if you've never been to ACU's campus, when you go into chapel at Moody Coliseum, you have to go up a set of stairs to get to the bowl of seating. And so as you go into this, my friend Justin, who's wearing a Cheerios box, arms out, head up, is waddling himself up a set of stairs. Chapel is in the middle of, is in progress, in the middle of everything that's going on. And all of a sudden, like you would expect, when a giant Cheerios box is start waddling up the stairs, everything stops. Everyone notices. Everyone sees my friend Justin, his head in a Cheerios box coming up the stairs. And so the whole place turns and sees this waddling giant Cheerios box coming up the stairs. And he continues. He goes up another set of stairs to get the to get to the seats, and the whole place, I don't know what was going on at the floor, but the whole place is, has their eyes on Justin wearing a giant Cheerios box. I think, I think one of the aspects, and this is probably the rub for us, one of the aspects of being a Jesus follower is that eyes ought to be on you. 
that what you wear and how you function and how you speak and how you view ought to be so different that when you waddle up at the stairs, people notice and see that there is something different about this moment. It interrupts what is going on around us. There's a difference in us. And we ought to be people who embrace the different. We must embrace different. We must be people who are willing to embrace a different not only lifestyle, but people who are willing to embrace the difference that comes from being those who follow in the footsteps of Jesus Christ. Which is why I want to go to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 is a wonderful passage that if you, if you read through the, the second letter of Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, Paul is addressing, in particular in chapter 4, Paul begins to address the adversities that the church has. We know that the church in Corinth has a lot of issues. There's a lot of things going on. And what we find out through the letters that we call 1st and 2nd Corinthians is that God's church in Corinth decides to a large portion, they figure out that it's easier, it's easier to fit in. This is my language now. It's easier to not be different. The adversities and the troubles that are around them are so much so that people do not want to stick out. They do not want eyes and ears on them. They do not want to put on the giant Cheerios box and be noticed as different kind of people. And so they're starting to work themselves into blending in to the culture around them in Corinth. Let me pick up in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16. Here's Paul's message. Do not lose heart. Do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen since what is seen is temporary but what is unseen is eternal now what is paul beginning to point out to the church that thinks it's easier to fit in you are different and more than that you are different on purpose god doesn't call you to be like the world or culture or society or the standards around us, he calls his children, he calls you and he calls me to be different on purpose. That our life is anchored and seen. It is outlived in something different than the world's offering. You are different on purpose. And being different on purpose is not a scary notion because what Paul begins to remind us is that we are anchored and seen and we're living out of something that is far beyond our own lives. Let's continue reading. Now going into 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 1. He says, Therefore do, we do not lose heart, chapter 4, verse 16. 
Right? We fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. And he goes on to say, for we know, we know that if the earthly tent we live in is destroyed, we have a building from God, an eternal house in heaven, not built by human hands. Meanwhile, we groan, longing to be clothed instead with our heavenly dwelling. Because when we are clothed, we will not be found naked. Verse 4. For while we are in this tent, we groan and are burdened because we do not wish to be unclothed, but to be clothed instead with our heavenly dwelling, so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. Now the one who has fashioned us for this very purpose is God, who has given us the spirit as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. And I'm going to pick back up in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 for just a second, but I want us to dwell with this idea for, for a few moments. What is Paul saying? I think if we start to kind of pull this together, that the church in Corinth finds it easier to not be different. And I think that's easier, right? It's easier to fit in. You know what's easier is the things that are seen that Paul begins to talk about in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. You know what's easier is all the issues before us. It's easier to get on TV and to yell and, and, and displeasure about all the things that you're upset about. It's easier to do all caps lock on your Facebook post. It's easier to be upset about what is before you. And it is a completely different thing altogether to be a different kind of person who sees life differently and functions differently because of a different kind of God who's asking us to live the difference in our attitudes and our actions and our speech. See, our actions, our words, and our attitudes are different because our clothing is different. We are different kinds of people because of what we put on in ourselves. And Paul, is he, is he is dancing around. Can I say that? He is tiptoeing around this idea of eternal presence and baptism and resurrection life in Jesus Christ. We don't just take on the, the morals and the standard of this world. We could go to Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7, and we can see that we are not called to the ways of this world. We world differently. And we clothe ourselves in this difference. We clothe ourselves in our baptism, not on one day, but every day. We seek out a life that is not only different in how we act, but how we speak and how we see and how we approach everybody around us. Paul turns what is different from that building uh, that we turn ourselves from a different, the tent that is before us, the temporary of this world, and we now focus on, on what is permanent, everlasting life in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. New life. Paul says imperishable life. And what seems most important to Paul, I think, as we start to unfold 2 Corinthians chapter 5, what seems most important to Paul, remember, dealing with the church, with a group of people who are starting to find it easier to act and function like the world around them, 
Paul's calling them to a different life on purpose. And what seems to be most important to the Apostle Paul is that his life has a lot of adversity. His life is different. And his life is hard. But he doesn't see that as a lose, a losing situation. He sees that as temporary. Why? Because the difference is that he wears eternity every single day. He wears the presence of a God who cannot be held down by a grave. He holds the clothing of a God everlasting who is more than this tent, but a God who is everlasting, the God who builds life forever. Now this message is not unique in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. This message is a message that Paul, I think, enjoys sharing. That people ought to be in Jesus Christ, ought to live life differently. Ought to be people who function differently. See themselves different on purpose. That we are different kinds of people because we put on something different in this life. And that is the everlasting presence, the everlasting building, the imperishable that is Jesus Christ. For reference... Let me go to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, picking up in verse 50. Just listen for the language. This is Paul's, uh, the, the first letter that we have that Paul writes to the church in Corinth. Listen to some of this language that Paul uses. See if you can identify some of the similarities to which he uses again in the next letter in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Paul says, I declare to you, brothers and sisters, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Listen, I tell you, a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed. And a flash, in the twinkling of an eye, that the last trumpet, the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will all be changed. For the perishable must clothe, them, clothe themselves with the imperishable, and the mortal with the immortality. When the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable, and the mortal with the immortality, then the saying that is written out of Isaiah will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. What is Paul's reminder to the church? He's done this a couple of different times already. We are different because our life is eternal in Jesus Christ. It's not temporary. It is not defined by the world around us. It is not defined by our own restrictions. It is defined by an empty tomb, by a baptism that gives life in or out of death. We have been swallowed up, not in a grave, but in victory. And the imperishable does not exist when God's people begin to clothe themselves, begin to take on the characteristics of an imperishable God. We see this when Paul writes in Philippians chapter 3. Just one more reference point for us. Philippians chapter 3, picking up in verse 20. Our citizenship is in heaven. We eagerly await, the apostle Paul says, a savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies so that we will be like his glorious body. And one of the grand reminders of the letter of Philippians is that we are different because of Jesus. And that difference 
will be someday, but it is today. We are clothed in something different because our bodies, our lives, everlasting, eternal, will not be perishable, but we will be found imperishable, transformed by Jesus Christ himself. And this kind of life that Paul begins to unfold again and again in his letters, and in particular with the church in Corinth, this kind of life isn't simply realized on a Sunday, morning or afternoon, right? This kind of life isn't realized one day a week, two days a week. The clothing to which Paul refers to is a clothing that is, it is on us, God's people, every single day. What does that clothing really look like for us? I want to try to answer that question as we kind of wrestle with this big idea for just a moment, okay? So I'm going to turn us to Matthew chapter 22 before we get back into 2 Corinthians chapter 5 to, to end this particular message. Matthew chapter 22, and here's why I go to this. In Matthew chapter 22, verses 37 through 40, you have what we refer to as the greatest commandment. Jesus is asked, what is the greatest thing? What is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? And Jesus responds, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments, the greatest commandments. Love the Lord your God and love your neighbor. Right? The reason I go to this is because if we really want to start wrestling with what it looks like to be different on purpose, there's no better place to start than asking ourselves, am I living the greatest commandment? Is what Jesus refers to as the most important commandment of God, is that at the core, is that at the forefront of who I am as God's child? If you want to test and approve your, your, your relationship and your place in God's kingdom, start with Jesus' most important commandment. Are you loving the Lord your God? And are you loving people like you would love God? Is what I'm doing in love to this particular person or people? Is what I'm saying verbally or online, a loving statement? Am I coming to this moment, whatever that moment or situation may be, with a loving, greatest commandment kind of attitude? These kinds of questions begin to push up against what we know is important. We can read Matthew chapter 22, verses 37 through 40 all day long. I can preach on it every single week, and we can have all the head knowledge, we can have all the information, but if we are not applying, if we are not moving in the footsteps of Jesus, you see, Jesus calls his disciples simply, come follow me, but you know what following him entails? Is application. It is movement like him. He doesn't call them to a class, though he will teach them. He calls them to move. Disciples don't sit in chairs. They are moving their feet and their hands like their rabbi. And so people that want to test and approve 
their, their place as one who is different on purpose in Jesus Christ ought to begin to ask themselves a very simple but yet profound and a, a application question. Is what I'm doing loving? Is what I'm saying a loving statement? Am I coming to this situation with a loving attitude towards all the people? And I would argue that if any one of those answers is no, then we have some work to do. We have a place for us to not just be like those around us. Because it's easy. It's easy to be like the world. It's easy to yell. And it's easy to get on the bandwagon about whatever it is today that we need to be upset about. It is another thing altogether. To be someone, to be a body of believers that embraces the difference of loving people no matter what. Loving every person of every background, of every position, with an attitude that says, I am here for you like Jesus. There are ripple effects to dropping your nets like Peter and Andrew do in Matthew chapter 4. You see, I think too, like Peter and Andrew had a, they had options here, right? Scripture is pretty clear. If you go on in Matthew 4, they drop their nets and they follow him. But Peter and Andrew, I guess, could have taken their nets. Like also could have said, no, thank you. The implications of not just listening to Jesus, but following in his footsteps are God's people who are willing to live out the greatest thing, the most important thing that he'll point out in all of Scripture, loving people no matter what. And we know that Jesus is serious about this. Let me back up to Matthew chapter 5. Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, verse 43. Jesus says, you've heard it was said, love your neighbor, hate your enemy. We all agree on this. It's easy to love your neighbor, people like you, right? Not just the people next door. Jesus, uh, Jesus is referring in the culture of the first century. He's referring to people that you live around, the, 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 the people that you live with in society and culture. Love your neighbor as yourself, hate your enemies. But I'm telling you this, verse 44, love your enemies, Pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. And what does Jesus immediately say? He says, you can understand what love is, but to actually live out kingdom, Jesus' love, love that is different on purpose, you love your enemies. And the first step to loving your enemies is prayer. It's doing something that is not taught. It is not, it is not portrayed in our world, doing different. It is an application, it is an implication of something that is more Jesus than just sitting and understanding it all. And so, um, let's do this. I'm going to skip Mark chapter three. I'm gonna save that one. And I wanna go to that next image, the head and heart image for just a second. I'm going to get us back into 2 Corinthians chapter 5, but I want to start with this particular idea. This thought's been, been with me for several days, and I want to play it out for just a moment as we get back into 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 6 through 10. 
this particular section that, uh, of clothing ourselves in the imperishable. One of the reasons I'm convinced that it is so much easier to just be like what is around us, right? One of the reasons it's so much easier is because we can take the knowledge and not have to apply it. But Christianity and following Jesus at its very heart is application. And so we have a struggle at times. And this struggle may look differently for all of us in different, different ways. But we have a struggle where we can take all the knowledge. Paul talks about this in Romans chapter 12 by the renewing of our mind. But all the knowledge. But what Paul talks about in Romans chapter 12 is the part that scripture consistently talks about. Is all the knowledge isn't there so that we have the knowledge. All the knowledge comes to us. All the learning, all the understanding is so that it influences, it pushes, it moves us from our hearts. Our hearts have to be involved in our faith walks. And being different on purpose is not a complete understanding. It is moving even at times when you don't understand. It is a tug of war at times that is a symbiotic relationship between what we know and what we understand and what we don't know and what we don't understand and what we do and don't do. You've heard, it's, it's amazing how many times you can hear the, the image, well, my heart's telling me this, right? My heart says this. Our hearts have been used as justification in so many bad justifications in life, from jobs to relationships. And we use that even into our faith walks in many different ways. But what Jesus begins to show us is that if you're going to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself, you're also going to love your enemy as yourself. All the knowledge has to be applied now. All the information has to now influence the heart's movement for what is next. Well, but my head says, right? All the knowledge says they're wrong. Eye for an eye, tooth for tooth, as Jesus will go on in Matthew chapter 5. They're in the wrong and I am in the right. It's easier to put people in the wrong and to always put yourself in the right. But what does the application of loving the Lord your God and loving your neighbor as yourself says? The application says, doesn't matter. What's on you is loving that person. Are you loving them with your actions and with your words? Are you coming to the moment and situation with a loving attitude? Because that's what matters from our head, from all our knowledge, into our actions and from our heart. We know, but do we live it? We understand, but are we applying it? Being different on purpose is God's people struggling like the first disciples when he calls them, come follow me. Those disciples struggle with this. And disciples throughout history have struggled with this. Being different on purpose is God's people applying what we hear and see in Jesus to our very own lives. Let's end 2 Corinthians chapter 5, picking up in verse 6. Paul's continuing. He says, uh, says uh, therefore, 
we are always confident and know that as long as that we are home in the body, we are away from the Lord. For we live by faith, not by sight. We are confident, I say, and would prefer to be away from the body and at home with the Lord, so we make it our goal to please Him. Did you hear the implications, the application of hearing, of being clothed? We desire something bigger and grander. We want something holier. We want something grander in this life. We would long to be in heaven where everything is perfect and we are in the presence of God everlasting. But in this moment, there is adversity, there is differences, there is a life around us that says things that moves us in different ways. But we long for that goal of being in God's presence. So we make it our goal in the adversity and in the life around us, in the people that we are around, whether we are at home in the body or away from it, we must all appear, verse 10, before the judgment seat of Christ so that each of us may receive what is due to us, the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. We live differently because we are everlasting people to an everlasting God. We live by faith, Paul says, because Jesus is the difference. Jesus is the difference. And so, I'm laying my cards out on the table on this. The next few weeks, being different on purpose. Being different on purpose is God's people understanding and struggling with what it means to be different on purpose. Knowing that Jesus is the difference. Not only today, but tomorrow. And as God's people, we are called to live and to apply and to move, to speak and to come with different kinds of attitudes that love no matter what. So this afternoon... One final song in this place, our invitation this afternoon. One of our shepherds, David Kern, will make himself available in the back of the cafeteria. I will make myself available up front. If you'd like to come forward or go to the back and find one of us during this song, it's a great opportunity to do so. It's not your only opportunity to do this. Because this church is here for you. This community is here for you. And together, okay, spoiler alert, together, we're going to figure out how to be different on purpose as a community. Together we will figure this out. And if there's a need of any kind, if this church can be here for you, please come find us. Let's stand together.